Bitter Pill are committed to producing new writing until theatres in the UK reopen. Through the Painkiller Project, we're open for submissions once a month and are producing two plays from each submission window. If you enjoy the play you're about to hear and you'd like to support the continuation of the project, please consider pledging to our Patreon to make a donation that would be repeated each time a new play is released. Alternatively, you can make a one-off donation through paypal.me. Any donation made would mean the world to us. For more information, follow the links in the description of this podcast. And now the Painkiller Project presents... Clear Up. Ethan's a different person when he's drunk. And one morning, the clear up after the night before turns out to be a bigger job than he expected. We hope you like it. The first thing I see is the post-it notes. Oh, God. Like the gay pride flag has vomited up the wall. Started a few months back. Some mornings there'll be one note. Some mornings, if it's been a heavy night, there'll be three or four. There are 17. Oh, God. To be fair, two of them say get milk and one of them just says fuck. Caps with a full stop. I don't think that's about the milk. I tried to work out what order they might have gone in. Based on alignment, the pink notes being from the top of the pile and the biro gradually dying an agonising death towards the 17th note, I ascertain an order as follows. 1. Get milk. 2. You went to the stag, then the weird new place that's open till three. Three, you spilt something on your shirt, but it wouldn't come out. Do it properly tomorrow. Four, you kissed Hannah. Why did you do that? Five, it was good though. Six, never do that again. Seven, Hannah says get your hair cut. Eight, dogs can be left-handed. Nine, you're too old for shots. Ten, fuck. Eleven, you take decent people for granted and it's pathetic. Twelve, buy more post-it notes. Thirteen, what is wrong with you? Fourteen, it was Chris got you home. Say thanks to Chris. 15. Get milk. 16. Apologize. Really? Apologize. 17. Hannah's birthday on Friday. Get her something. That last one's crossed out, probably for the best. Some of them look like they've been cried on. I hope they didn't cry in front of Chris. Apologize. Yeah. Good. Apologize, because I don't want Hannah getting the wrong idea. She probably understands these things happen, but still, best to nip it in the bud. It's not that bad, because I'm not the sort who gets drunk. The lads from finance, every Friday it's embarrassing, they get a reputation, but not me. If it's once a month or even less, no one can really judge you. As long as you remember it, the next morning, you can clear it all up. I'm into work, into the building, past reception, and hi, Ethan, did you get what you needed? I look at her, behind the desk. She's new. It is Ethan, isn't it? Have we met? I ask. She says, last night, you came in, showed me your ID, said you'd forgotten something. That wasn't on the notes. I shake off the gormless look on my face, say, yeah, sorry, I didn't recognise you, compliment her hair, done it differently from last night. Then I'm in the lift up to the third floor thinking, oh, God's sake, what was it? What did I do? It better be something obvious because it would drive me mad otherwise. And as I come out, I see a crowd of people at the far end of the room, all standing solemnly round the fish tank. 
what I had against the new tropical fish, I'm not sure. But clearly something, since I'd emptied three bottles of fairy liquid into the tank and left the squeezed-out murder weapons on the floor. Everyone's standing round, looking at them. It's worse than when the kettle broke. They all look so serious, so genuinely hurt. I could laugh. Ah, <laughs> uh, I get it now. Apologize. I'll go to the office and let them know it was me and say I'm sorry. What's the name from reception would have tipped them off anyway, and I'll get some more fairy liquid. As I'm walking away, I run into Hannah. I'm sorry, I tell her, because I might as well. So that's fixed too. Try to make tea when I get home, but there's something blocking the kitchen door from the other side. That wasn't on the notes, was it? Didn't mention I'd ordered ten boxes of crap off Amazon Prime and piled them up behind the kitchen door. I pull each note off the wall till they're scattered like dead neon bright fish at the top of a tank, and I stare at my own writing. I was the best of my class at handwriting. I got moved from pencils onto pens before anyone else, and when everyone else seems to give up on cursive as soon as they hit adulthood, my G's and F's roll one to the other across the page, liquid, relentless as a seismograph reading with all the control in the world. Sometimes I think the sexiest thing about me is my handwriting. I am good with my hands. So who scrawled all these clumsy, sobbing, self-flagellating notes and stuck them above my bed? I have one of those moments, a someone else in the room moment. I imagine this other person walking into reception, flashing my ID with those shaking hands, standing over me while I sleep writing on the wall. I seem to feel a lot more when I'm drunk. Waking up to the post-it notes and the night before, it's interesting to get an idea of what I actually feel. Something bad about the tropical fish. Something good about Hannah. Some pretty harsh things about myself, apparently, and something I don't know what about Chris. Chris wasn't in today. I need to find him and thank him, otherwise a clear-up won't be finished. I go to the kitchen and squeeze past whatever's blocking the door. Chris is lying on the floor. Blood clotted round his nose. Seems like it should be brighter. A violent post-it note pink, not just a lick of subdued red on the upper lip, back of the head and down the side of the radiator. I put the kettle on, unpack the milk I picked up on the way home, put yesterday's shirt in the washing machine. Chris seems all right. Not all I've got against Chris. Someone should really have called an ambulance by now. It's my place, I suppose. God, I'm tired. Not used to hangovers. I pull out my phone. <laughs> Turns out dogs can be left-handed. We drop into the supermarket after work the next day. I got sent to the welfare team and tried to work out why I killed the fish. I told them I'd been under a lot of pressure recently. You can say that for anything. And I said sorry a lot, and I managed to cry a bit, which is good. They like that, just to catch in the throat. No tears or anything. I can't do that on demand. Hannah and I are doing a very careful, no-touching, minimal eye-contact night in. And I'll say sorry again. I expect just to make sure it's all fine. The flat is now clean. The kitchen door now opens, and Chris doesn't seem to remember much for the moment. But I went to see him in hospital, and I said I was sorry anyway. 
At the self-service checkout, Hannah watches me put through a bottle of something white. Her face changes. Goes the same color as the wine. I can always tell when you've gone, she says. I stop with my hand on a packet of post-it notes. What do you mean, when I've gone? On a night out, when you hit that point, you have enough drinks and there's this moment you go like, you know, in a horror film when it goes really quiet. Yeah, like that. That's when I know whatever happens now, you're not going to remember it the next morning. I just stand there. Really, they say. You can see that. Out of the corner of my eye, I see her nod. I see how she's looking at me. Like she's a long way off, or she wants to be. She's near the door. I think maybe she'll run. I think maybe she should. My hand shakes just slightly as I put the post-it notes through. I do remember, I tell her. I make sure I remember. And I clear it up the next morning. What else can you do? Clear Up was written by Charlotte Cromie and performed by Daniel Ings. It was directed by Dom Riley with sound design by Pierce Sherwood-Roberts. Thank you for listening. This production is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England.